The All Black Podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black become the best-run teams in sport. To listen to this episode and all the All Black Podcasts, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Kirafano, welcome to episode 13 of the All Black Podcast, powered by SAP Women's Rugby World Cup. Got off to a flyer, three games, Eden Park, Pop Concert, Full House, and a great game of code between Australia and the Black Ferns. To talk about the opening day and the anatomy of a World Cup tournament, director Michelle Hooper, welcome to the studio. Kia ora, thank you for having me. Look, we've got that that opening weekend out of the way. We're a week into the tournament. Is your head above water a little bit? Like, what's going on at the moment, or is it still very much all go? We've turned the phone off in the studio because I know that thing's rung already about six times since you've been here. Are we? Have we settled down a wee bit? Is the weight off the shoulders? Uh, definitely. I think we started the, with an absolute cracker of an opening match day Absolutely. and match day two up at um, Whangarei. So we, you know, we were all of our team were just blown away by um, the fact that we got there uh, and what we were able to showcase and, and most importantly putting on a, um, a world stage that those incredible Wahini Toa performers rugby totally deserve uh, and I think now you know we really zoned in on Monday on you know what are the tweaks that we need to make to you know for each of those match venues and, and also we had to stand up Waitakere Stadium for the yes. first match out there this um, this Sunday so you know people came back down out of the clouds pretty quickly um, but I, we did take time to reflect on Monday afternoon about you know breaking the world record for yeah. um, one Rugby World Cup um, smashing attendance records um, with a new new total of thirty four thousand three hundred twenty five people in venue. Um, wow. The you know we broke with the record for you know selling out Eden Park for the first time ever for women's rugby. And also um, the number highest attended match for women's sport in New Zealand. Wow. So lots of records broken on match day one. And as you say, like a um, you know pop concert, you know th- triple header mm-hmm. match day and a festival events. We were just so wrapped that we were able to deliver that. And I think you know the feedback we've had from people that were in the venue on that day was just it was an incredible experience and something really new and different for the sports fan, which is exactly what we wanted. We wanted mm-hmm. the experience and stadium to um, replicate the, the feeling you get when from women's rugby, which is loads of ROH incredible camaraderie, celebration and success um, and real warmth and so you know from all the feedback we've had and we've had really great um, fan experience feedback on surveys and and it's all you know people taking the time to write to tell us what a great experience they had. Uh, You did all of that in spades, it was such a good weekend, we're going to cover a lot of that but first a few warm up questions Um, so we get to know you a little bit better before we get stuck into it, what about you, who was your favourite sports stars growing up? I've got a real mix mash. I Mark Todd because I always wanted to be oh, a horse, yeah. as a horse rider. Um, he was awesome, and we also featured in the Bell Tea commercial out of Pukekohe. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Sarah Ulmer, I totally oh, love yeah. bike riding, and she's just truly inspirational um, female leader and incredible athlete. Uh, Sir Peter Blake, um, you know right, America's Cup and everything he was able to do and bring the America's Cup home to New Zealand. Um, and Andy Dalton was our local hero because he was his kids went to my school and we grew up in the Bombay Hills, so oh, we just in awe of him as a you know All Blacks uh, captain for what was it ten. Years, I think. What a bunch of great New Zealanders. I love that. Michelle, when you're driving into work and you're doing that a lot at the minute, what's on the Spotify playlist? What break things up for you before you get into the hustle and the bustle of being the tournament director of the Rugby World Cup? 
Well, I catch the fairy, so it's oh, on my fairy playlist, so it's sure. quite long, but I must say I've just got Red Aura on repeat at the moment. Yes. It's kind of like my, um, yep. just reminds me of the opening match day, and we'd been trying to, you know, make sure we knew all the lyrics to the songs yes. before the tournament, before it started. So she's constantly on repeat, and I'm pretty bad at that. I'll just get something that I like and just keep playing it over and over, and it's kind of like um, helps you get in the zone for yeah. what you're trying to do. But also, if I'm not doing that, then Tropical House is a new genre oh. of music, which somebody oh. got me into, but I really love the vibe of Tropical House beats, so okay. just that on the Spotify playlist. Oh, I like that. I'm going to look that up. And, like, not a bad commute, is it? Uh, getting a ferry from Waikiki Island into Auckland Central, like, that's not the worst way to start the day? No, it's the best way to start and end the day. And I just, like, clear the inbox, but also just debrief with myself on the way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Three, three guests for dinner at your place on Waikiki. I'd say they'd be lining up to get over there for a feed. Like, who would they be and what would be on the menu? Uh, right now, I think definitely Kendra Cox Edge, Ruby oh. Tui, and uh, Glenn Ashby, uh, Emirates Team New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, he's obviously going for a land speed record over in um, Australia at the moment, on, on, and he's just an awesome human. And I think we'd have um, I fill it um, <laughs> on the on the on the bonfire, and he's really good at flipping the, this meat on the barbie. So, um, and Ruby and Kendra, because I just love to you know debrief their experience yeah. after this Rugby World Cups, yeah. Rugby World Cup, and how they've found it all, and just have a really good chat around the around the bonfire. Uh, absolutely, a couple of great personalities that we're getting to know more and more. At the moment and, and actually a little plug for Waiheke if you um, on the Sunday for lunch where would you be taking everyone because there's some fantastic spots over there isn't there? There is yeah on Sundays for lunch we'd probably be heading to the Heke obviously it's a, um, our rugby club favourite and oh, all of my kids you know they, they obviously contribute heaps to the rugby club so we're often at the Heke or if we're heading to the beach it'd be um, you know Charlie Farley's or Oyster Inn if it was just me and Hamish. <laughs> oh, hot tips I love that. Look how does how does one become the tournament director for the Rugby World Cup, like how, how do you get into that sort of role? Because it's not been like being an accountant or a lawyer or you know some of the more traditional things that people do out there to earn a crust. Like it's it's a pretty unique role. <laughs> That's a huge honour and a privilege. And I think you know having had a career in sport management, uh, you know it was just it is a bit of a unique journey. And it started with the America's Cup back in uh, 1996, as I said, run 95 when they run the um, America's Cup, brought it home in the Welcome Home Parade. Um, at the moment, the light bulb moment for me was, you know, what they could do, bringing events to New Zealand, showcasing sport and, and also showing what New Zealanders do on the world stage. And I think that's what really spins my wheels is just, yeah. you know, representing New Zealand and, and you know, showcasing our people and our place. Uh, that really resonates with me. And I think for um, this event and for the women's game, like being able to then put my key learnings, having worked in high performance sport and international events for the last 20 years, mostly in men's sport, but being able to trans trans for those skills into um, delivering a spectacle for women's sport and women's rugby. It's been an um, you know, incredible journey, uh, but it definitely feels like all of the skills that I've picked up over those 25 years were, were for this moment in time. <laughs> yeah. And selling out Eden Park uh, last Friday was just the, the, I guess the icing on the cake because I always felt like I wouldn't be happy if there was one seat, you know, yep. spare. And we managed to sell that out on Friday. And the, um, you know, because I just felt like it was just everyone needed to be there for the, you know, for the Black Ferns and all of those incredible rugby teams that took place on took part in match day one. Uh, but also just to honour the um, the legacy of the black jersey here in Aotearoa with the you know the Black Ferns having won that title five times offshore and this being their first Sally. home Rugby World Cup. Uh, you know, in the moment that Hanawahi Mohi sung the national anthem uh, a cappella, so no music, uh, and the crowd sang with her, yeah. uh, you could just see the emotion in the Black Ferns' faces. But also it was kind of like the writing of all of the, the wrongs, I guess, of not, not having just enough of a spectacle around women's rugby to date uh, and just that this is the new benchmark 
benchmark going forward. So really creating a cornerstone of change around visibility of women's sport, uh, you know, people turning up to support them and celebrate them. And I think then, you know, when you watch the game and you saw all of those players, the spectacle of women's rugby is brilliant. You know, the heaps of tries, all of the teams um, competing in the first weekend all got points on the table. Fijiana, it's their first Rugby World Cup, you know, and they managed to go really well against England and get some good runs on the board. And and that's the, um, you know, a a symbol, I think, of um, huge amount of effort, you know, that crowd support pushing them along. Um, And there are lots of great fans there for like the likes of Fiji and South Africa as well. Totally, it was it was so good, and I wanted to something I've heard you talk a little bit about before is is you've worked on some pretty big tournaments, and and actually there's, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, there's a real element of professionalism in those and commercialisation. Like, but I heard you say for this, like everyone just wanted to help out, everyone to get stuck in and make sure this thing went really, really well. That had to be um, an awesome environment to work in where people just want to roll up their sleeves and make sure this thing absolutely hums. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things with the with delivering a Women's Rugby World Cup, um, the 2017 iteration of the tournament was delivered at a university campus in, right. in Dublin, Ireland. So New Zealand rugby's bid was about supercharging the women's game. So when you think, think about supercharging, in my mind, it just has to be massive and big and, you know, and just everything's well. Uh, and, you know, when we started, it was, you know, the opening match I was going to be at Waitakere yeah. Stadium with 5,000 people. So in the first six months, I started in February 2020, it was all about moving that opening match day to Eden Park. Uh, you know, and I think we talked about just before, you know, the stars aligned a little bit and giving us more time, like yeah. COVID and the postponement. Um, you know, that was, we'll probably talk about that soon. But anyway, the, the main thing was just, um, you know, taking what we had and then making it as good and as big as possible. And I think people, rugby fans probably don't realise that tickets to women's rugby have only been sold five times. Um, Is that and, right? And yeah, since I've been wow. in the job, since November 2020 was our first ticketed match for New Zealand rugby. Um, so where there's no history of sales data. You know, you, <laughs> we normally say, what will the fans do? It's like, well, we don't know who the fans are, so we need to go out and find it research yeah. it, uh, test it. So all of it was quite an unknown. Um, so there's a massive leap of faith and there's also this real important role of painting the picture of what yeah. it's going to be like and what you're encouraging people to come to. I think, you know, really accessible ticket prices, you know, from $5 for a child, as little as $10 for an adult and $20 for an adult from, at Eden Park matches. Um, you know, that's really helped us um, yeah. sell the picture. But then every single person that jumps on board and says, I want to be there, I need to take part in that. And then spreading that, you know, um, feeling through their friend groups and talking about it at the barbecue, all of that makes a huge difference to this tournament. Let's talk a little bit about that opening day. Like firstly, you know, like you say, when you made that decision to move it from, you know, Waitakere to Eden Park, like that's awesome, you know, and it's it's about right, here we go, we're gonna go big here. But all of a sudden like, wow, that's 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 a change of scenery. Yeah, like what was the process to get along to there and, and you know, getting a big star to come in and be part of the opening show, backing yourself to sell, you know, 30,000, 40,000 tickets, having three matches like on one day. I, there was all sorts of elements when we talk about. I loved the poise. I loved the poise. You know, I loved um, the feeling of the day. Like, how did that all come together? And, and you know, was it was it challenging or, or did you keep getting little wins along the way that, that made you think, yeah, we can do this? I'll just tell you one word. I mean, challenging is an understatement. No, the, the things I've had to deal with in two and a half years have been like nothing I've ever dealt with in major international events. And, you know, obviously planning for most of this in a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you think that the COVID protocols, the COVID regulations really only dropped away three or four weeks ago, you know, yeah. to a degree that you're delivering live sports events and, and hopefully not having that COVID hesitancy in the crowd. Um, you know, and people forget really quickly, of, you know, what yeah. we've all just been through. And, totally. and But our whole tournament planning, and, you know, as you saw with the Cricket World Cup, you know, it was 
completely marred by mm. having to deliver, you know, no no crowds, and then by the end they could finally get a crowd. Um, but you know that journey helped our journey, you know, in terms of yep. what cricket did and, and, and where we are and how we're going to get to where we we're going. Hopefully, with we've still got masses of matches to go, um, semi-finals and finals at Eden Park. But um, you know, I think that the the number one thing was keeping focused on the vision and what we needed to achieve and not letting go of that, and then um, you know, fighting hand and fit for, for for every bit of money that we could get, and then and what every incremental difference could make. And when the tournament was postponed by 13 months, there were some um, you know massive shifts, which was you know f- um, World Rugby came out and said there's going to be five days rest between matches oh, for, okay. for athletes from yep. a player welfare perspective, which was gold. Then we could change. We were meant to have midweek matches, but we could change all the games from to Saturday and Sunday games. Um, so you didn't have six games taking place on one day in two different venues. You've got um, you know Eden, you know Auckland venue and a um, Whangarei venue on different match days. So there were some key changes there, and then uh, you know we were able to access some new funding, which helped us keep going, helped us bring in more staff, helped us you know do some more um, events and activations. And uh, you know one of the big things for us was. Um, we need to create awareness about this tournament because yeah. how are we getting out there that there's this Women's Rugby World Cup on? You know, we need more money and we need more of everything. Uh, and we just continued to have those conversations with people that cared and, you know, get the funding. So, you know, the government have been incredibly very helpful for us, um, you know, really vested in women's sport and seeing it, um, seeing that, that shift. And when you know behind the scenes how much of an influence sports has in communities uh, and how, you know, it really helps support people but also can transition people into leadership mm. roles and things, it's a great investment, anything in sport. So we're hoping to reward that by delivering great Rugby World Cup matches. Who's who's the team? How many are there? You know, who's making those awesome decisions around turning that opening day into a festival, like recruiting, you know, pop stars to come along and play? Uh, the the poise in the crowd created such an awesome atmosphere. Um, the family, you know, the the way the kids and and mums and everything were integrated into the day, like just made it a completely different type of rugby event here. You know, what's the brainchild of all that stuff? Who's, you know, like, is it all you, Michelle? You know, or there's some other people involved? Definitely, a huge brains trust in, in all of our team and they everyone contributes. I think creating an environment where everyone can feed in. I think the big players there were when we made the decision to move to Eden Park from yeah. Waitakere Stadium, we needed a we needed a big impact in terms of revenue. So our ticket numbers had to increase to pay for that. In order to do that, you had to be able to draw on a crowd. So then we were like, well, we need a headline artist because that will help. You know, yeah. the, the risk area was we don't know the market. So if we can get an artist to come and perform, that will create another thing that we can market to attract people because um, we know that once people watch women's rugby they want to stay and they want to come to more matches but it's just getting them in the door to start with yeah. uh, and then securing a headline artist was quite hard going because um, you're needing someone that's you know and it's a long way to come to New Zealand so getting a one off and obviously there's lots of great connections personal connections with people to help totally. us get Rita and we had a lot of conversations before that happened um, with other artists but you know Rita Aura was the perfect person for the moment and her relationship with Taika Waititi and the you know the connection to New Zealand was super special and also she really believed in, in what she was supporting yeah. uh, in addition to that you know a lot of us in our team are mothers you know and we were yeah. just like well if you're going to watch triple header rugby day, match days you know you need something to keep the kids there yeah. so we've got an amazing kids zone at the venue where the kids go and, and my husband said to me I said I couldn't get the kids out of a kids zone <laughs> and I was like that's fine just sit on the beanbag and watch the TV on watch the rugby <laughs> totally. on the TV totally. so there's something for everybody and then the fest- festival there's a Maori and Pacifica um, festival yeah. entertainment program that runs throughout every match day same thing to keep people entertained off the field while we're waiting for the teams to warm up and get back right. on the field. Yeah. And all of that just contributes to a really great vibe. Um, people can stay for a long day. There's lots of activity on the concourse. There's DJs mixing beats on the concourse yeah, as well. Right. So, um, yeah, there's something for everyone in venue. I'll tell you what, too, like um, 
as a rugby fan, like as a regular rug, rugby watcher, one of the things I really enjoyed, and I don't know if you're getting this feedback from staff and all the different people that you chat to, but like the games really flowed, and I think because you know perhaps it's the professionalism of the men's game is, is there's a lot of cards in the men's game, there's a lot of looking up at the screen and making decisions because you know for whatever reason you know we've created this environment where everyone just feels like there's so much pressure on these things, so you got to get them right, but it creates a lot of stoppages in the game. When I sat down and watched um, the opening day of, of the Women's Rugby World Cup, the games just flowed. They just really flowed, and I really enjoyed it in that regard. Is that the type of thing you're hearing from from people now that that's all done? Definitely, and I think one of the audiences, obviously, is you know the traditional male rugby watching fan, and you know we want to say <laughs> <laughs> Robert's got his hand up, say um, you know this is um, a great rugby spectacle, and what I hear a lot in the business in New Zealand rugby is that it kind of goes back to um, you know um, where people more free flowing rugby because they've got more ability just to play the game that they want to play, yep. and uh, you know even the feedback from the citing commissioners were that there wasn't many things that were cited and that, um, you know, we've also got an all-female refereeing team, yeah. you know, so between those two combinations, it is a lot of free-flowing rugby, a lot more tries, a lot of points um, and, you know, ball in hand for a lot of the game. So it's a it's a great rugby spectacle and it's different to the professional game you're seeing with the men at the moment and um, in, in a really good way. And I think one of the things I love is just watching as many of them score tries as possible because yeah. they've all got a unique, you know, yeah. moment in time where they just go and, you know, rip down the field and do it their way and it's it's really exciting to watch. And I, I know you're Switzerland I know you're a neutral yeah, as, nice. as tournament <laughs> director but you know when the girls were a couple of tries down um, surely you're a little bit nervous like that cheering on the top at the end of the day was perhaps for the Black Ferns to get the win and, and to the credit they were able to dig in and it had a fantastic last sort of you know, 50 or 60 minutes and, and got the chocolates. But um, you were a little bit nervous there when uh, Ozzy got off to a flyer? I think fortunately I was running around enough with a lot of things going yeah, on right. in the venue that I was just across. So I wasn't, I mean, although I knew they were down, but then I think by the time I tuned back in, they were, they were coming up, you know, pretty quickly. So in terms of the results, so I was like, okay, that's fine. We're, we're going to get there. Um, and mostly I heard that because I was walking around the concourse areas and doing different zones and I could just hear the crowd going absolutely mental. <laughs> and I was like, yes, we've scored again. Yes, we've scored again. Though I'm neutral because I'm Switzerland, yes, but of course. certainly for the for a um, you know a rugby world cup in New Zealand and the fans coming out in their droves, you know having the black fern, ferns go well throughout the tournament is certainly um, helpful of having a really incredible rugby world cup. But we've got some giants playing this weekend. You know yeah. the England France game on Saturday night at Northland Event Centre. That's the you know the huge of the teams to beat um, playing each other. It's going to be a great spectacle. And um, black ferns playing Wales on on Sunday. Yep. Um, another great one for me is like the you know Fiji South Africa. It's the How last game of the day. How good are the Fiji? Supporters. And South Africa, both supporters. Yeah. They had so many fans in the stadium yeah. cheering for Fiji and South Africa, and that's the last game of the day on Sunday. Awesome. Um, so hoping that they get a, you know, and also those teams are quite well um, matched, you know. Yeah. So there should be some, you know, great. Um, all the teams playing this weekend are pretty well matched, so there's going to be some great um, scores. Good round coming up. Uh, like you say, you took the job in was it February 2020 or something like yeah. that. Looking back now, and you probably even have had the chance to do this because you're right, you're in the throes of, of, of the major event itself at the moment, but have you been able to look back a little bit and look at some of the, what have been some of the biggest challenges over that two-year period? I, I know there's one big challenge, but um, and how you've been, been able to overcome them, pro- probably with a bit of pride for yourself and the team, no doubt. So much pride. <laughs> I can't. I can't uh, talk about the pride. I think that you know we've got incredible stars in our team, and I. Feel, I often say I think that the people that are in our team have come to us. You know, like, yeah. like we're doing the, something yeah. higher here in terms of the people that have come in. Um, it, you know, and I, I don't. Know, we can talk about some of the individuals, but you, you know, some former players, international players in our team. Uh, you know, people that set up rugby at, at, at um, our communication street did when she first joined. She said um, she wanted to play rugby as a teenager. There wasn't anywhere to play for her in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. 
she ended up setting up a, um, her own um, team up in one of the North Shore clubs. Um, she went overseas and played for one of the England clubs. She came back and played in the Farah Palmer Cup. But her aspiration when she was young was to be an All Black. You know, and right. I hear that all the time in right. women's rugby. They didn't have to see the pathway to be a Blackburn. Yes. And what I can see in this shift now is that our um, Tamariki in New Zealand see the pathway to be a Blackburn. And, you know, women's rugby is going to go gangbusters. It already is. You know, in our yeah. club at Waiheke, it's 46% of the registered players are, are girls. Uh, and just now that they can see that pathway right the way through to the yeah. to the international stage, it's so exciting. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think that the um, – I can't remember what the question was, but <laughs> – No, just, just – <laughs> the challenges you've overcome and I think I think you're right and I, I mean you're right the whole we're hearing a lot at the moment but if you can't see it you can't be it and I know like down where I live in the Bay of Plenty there's an all girls team Alataki girls team and it's coached by Pango and Porsche you know like yeah, so now amazing. those girls you know who are, who are coached um, by their parents have now got a pathway or are seeing a pathway to go through and do, you know, what the parents do which is that's pretty cool isn't it and, yeah. and so um, 100% like um you know, we, we obviously we focus on the Black Ferns being the All Black podcast and that's our team and we're all supporting them and we're starting to learn so much about them and not just the players but the players that sort of blazed a bit of a trail, you know, Mel Robinson and Anna Richards, we're hearing about them, we're hearing about the story of Laurie O'Reilly, we're hearing about the story of why Wayne Smith has, has got so involved and is so passionate about this job, it's fantastic. But is there any other stories or, or things of note from some of the other teams that are here because that's the part we don't know much about you know is um, we know England are good we know France are good and um, we're starting to learn a little bit but like there's a whole lot of I mean you know hey they lost the game by 60 points at the end but my god there's a couple of good tries from the Fijiana side there at the start of the World Cup you know like is there any stories out there that are you know probably um you know, get you up every day and, and get you going again, you know? Totally. I think, well, Fijiana is a great case in point. You know, this is their first Rugby World Cup. You know, they're incredible at sevens. You saw them take the field on Saturday and own it for quite a few minutes of that totally. game, you know, and um, bring that real energy. I think, you know, Fiji is obviously a bit of the sweethearts of rugby. Yeah. Um, gorgeous players. A lot of their families came over for that opening match from awesome. Fiji, and you think that's a massive undertaking to come and support them. But what it meant to them to play here at Eden Park, uh, and you can't underestimate for all of these teams... Um, what they tell us all the time is that playing rugby in New Zealand is the holy grail of rugby right. for a player. To play a Rugby World Cup in New Zealand as a rugby player, holy grail of rugby. But to play at Eden Park, yeah. you know, the home of rugby internationally, and, you know, that you can't underestimate what that means to all of these individuals in each of these teams. And, you know, all of them have similar stories of, you know, resilience and, and strength and courage and, you know, the all the people that told them, you know, that they shouldn't play rugby or that they're female and they can't play rugby. or um, So, you know, those stories are just coming out all the time. Um, so I think one of the, the, the common things is just taking time to hear their stories, but also one of the greatest appreciations we can do for these female players is to know their names, know the positions that they play, and then what I, you know, always love around the, the All Blacks is that everyone that calls into the commentary, um, you know, the talkbacks is, oh, they should have played so and so because of so and so. So imagine if you can get down to that level of detail by the final that people know the Black Ferns by name, they know which players should be there and why, you know, and, and actually from a technical assessment perspective of their skill, um, you know, it, that would just be such a great level. It would show we'd come so far as a country. And we. Yeah, and obviously I'm, I'm, you know, I love my footy, so I'm watching a lot of it. But like, there's, there's the good and the bad of all that too, in the sense, not the bad, but like the, the, I suppose the realities of these big tournaments is like someone like Les Elder, former captain, absolute champion, Wahani Tower from the Bay of Plenty, isn't able to be there, but fantastic to see her commentating and doing the haka with the girls on the opening day. That was pretty emotional. Like even Asia, little pocket rocket on the wing, she's an absolute superstar, but 
Ruby, Porsche, you know, like on the wings, absolute stars. So she's going to have to fight her way in there. So we're starting to know some of these girls and, yeah. and you know, like starting to critique the team and, and getting involved in some of the selections, which is – so you are creating that in spades, which is awesome. I wanted to talk a little bit about the rest of the tournament. So we've got the opening day done. Well done. Like I can see – um, just your passion like for the event and getting it off the ground and how proud you were of, of the team um, to get it done to such a high standard. Um, and you've set it up so well. What do we look like for the rest of the tournament? You talked a little bit about some of the great games we've got going on this weekend. One thing is like, okay, I think it's top two teams um, from the pools go through. How how do we decide the other two for the quarterfinals? Who does it maybe, if, fingers crossed, if, if our girls, um, the Black Ferns, can go through and win the remaining of their pool games, who might they be playing and what does the rest of the tournament look like? Great, we've got eight match days left. So yes. all match days are Saturdays Toilet, and Sundays. Let's talk an event speak. We've got yep, eight, eight match days, match days yeah. left and yeah. there's triple headers for all the pool stage matches. Quarterfinals, semifinals and finals are all double header match days. Awesome. Uh, so you get loads of rugby for bang for your buck and entertainment. Uh, we've got obviously Shapeshifter playing for the um, semifinal yes. at Eden Park and we've got Benny playing for the, the final at Eden Park. So that's an in-venue experience not to be missed. So you need your tickets in order to experience that. Yes. Um, in terms of what's coming up, we've sold out um, Waitakere State Stadium on Sunday sold out two weeks ago, and and that's a real testament to that. That's the smaller model. That's the five thousand capacity yeah. or four and a half thousand capacity, as my ticketing manager would say. Yeah. Um, stadium model, which we said we need bigger stadiums, you know, and that was the model that twenty seventeen the was, and that the um, bid was won off by New Zealand Rugby. So really interesting to see this massive wave of interest in women's sport already, and that you know that, that you have to have bigger stadiums to get yeah. the crowds. Yeah. We're expecting that up in Northland for the Black Ferns match and the um, you know the quarterfinals match to be played in Northland. I mean, we're expecting quite big crowds up there awesome. for those two games. Uh, and then obviously Eden Park and um, for the semi-finals and the finals, anything's possible. So if the yeah. Black Ferns go through to those games, you know, we would love to think that we could sell that out again yeah, yeah. Uh, and that everybody, as many people as possible, can come and have that Eden Park stadium experience. Um, but don't miss out on getting your tickets. But a little bit of it explained around the quarterfinals because it's a little yeah. bit complicated to get your head around. Basically, the top teams from each pool will go through to the um, quarterfinals. Um, and they uh, basically it's done on seeding. So the top eight teams are seeded. Um, so the one, two, and three from um, each of the pool. It's a little bit tricky to explain, actually. The top ones going through from each pool um, will be ranked, and they'll be one, two, and three seed. Um, The second-place people in each pool will be the um, four, five, six, six, and then the best of the rest will be seven and eight. Then um, first seed will play eighth seed, second seed will play seventh seed, et cetera, et cetera. So the Black Ferns, depending on where they go through, or that they go through, and then where, that will determine who they play. And that one, two, three, and four, five, six, is that done on a points differential or something like this? Yeah, like points for and against. Well, that's interesting, isn't it, too? Because that means every single game counts in terms of, you know, if you, you need to create a differential, you need to create a Correct. good score to make sure, you know, that you are either one, two, or three in, in the best possible way you can be. So that's that's a good thing to know as you kick on and, and watch the quarters. Um, yeah, watch the quarters. Yeah, as I say, hopefully the girls can, can go through and get into the best spot. Our partners at SAP pride themselves on powering the best run teams. Michelle. Any success factors stand out for the teams and the environments that you have been involved in from an event perspective? And I want to ask it from an event perspective, a major event perspective, because so often we have players and they they talk to their team environment. I want to know a little bit, like, you're in a team, and and what's um, been some of the success factors um, for the Rugby World Cup team? 
Totally. I think I've been part of many teams and I I love watching teams. Like Team Dynamics for me is really important and this is the first team that I've outright led. Yes. And um, I'm really proud. I like, you know, for me it's all about optimising the the skills of the people in your team and creating an environment where they can each excel. So we really have an open um, forum in terms of bringing your best self to work, bringing your best ideas and, you know, I'm open to everyone's suggestions and then we sit down and and flesh them out. And, you know, I see my job as a leader to, you know, to resolve issues. So people will come, they'll bring me their ideas, I'll say yes or no, this is what we can do and we work it out. Um, And that's how we've created all this gold as well, is that people have brought their best selves to work, they've come with all their creative ideas, we've openly looked at everything and and fleshed it out. You know, there's no kind of ego in here, it's all just about bring bring what you've got and let's let's make it work. Um, One of the stars in our team, Arizona Ledger, they're all stars, but one of them, um, she's our social digital content specialist, she came up with the Champions uh, Champions concept, the Champions um, video which went global, over a million views. It was all about getting in and supporting women's rugby. Uh, you know, so the the um, our events team. You know, the Reader Aura, the the um, how all of that match day came together. Incredible. They wanted to create a you know sevens um, warriors love child venue <laughs> experience. So it's like yeah, we can do that. We can do all of these things. And um, we're doing it on a shoestring. So it's a lot of Kiwi ingenuity. And um, the main thing for me is you know believing in the people that you've got there. You've got the best people. Just empower them to do their job really well. Hear them. Be there for them when they've got issues to resolve and you know I was really calm on match day one because I knew we had the best people and I knew that they knew their jobs and it was just they would come to me if there was a problem so just leave them to get on with the job yeah. and uh, same with World Rugby it's for me we've got a great relationship with World Rugby New Zealand Rugby do um, and I've worked with them for a long time in a lot of different capacities so for me it was like maintaining that trust and confidence with them not doing anything that loses that trust and confidence yeah. so maintaining that at all times really open dialogue and then they've got faith in our ability too so as long as everyone's feeling like they've got the issues on the table, they understand what's happening and you're working towards a common goal, um, the world's your oyster. But keeping yeah. people calm and focused and, you know, just keeping that vision board up there. Is that part of the vision, yes or no? And I learned that from working for Team New Zealand years and years oh, ago right. in my, when I was in my 20s. doesn't make the boat go faster. Keeping the, the vision yeah, simple. Right, right. And then you can just ask yourself, well, is what you're focusing on making the boat go faster? Is what we're working on going to sell at Eden Park to create a platform for Wahine Tower of Women's Rugby to excel? Yes or no? And then it's pretty straightforward. How good. Michelle, thank you so much. I realise you are a phenomenally busy lady, but I can tell um, that you are the right lady for the job. Your passion comes through in spades and you've done a fantastic job so far. What a great opening weekend. We've got so much more in front of us and I have no doubt at all that come those big games um, at the end of the tournament um, that they're going to be well supported as well. Well done so far and good luck for the rest of the tournament. Thank you very much. Anyone who doesn't have their tickets, rugbyworldcup.com forward slash 2021. The All Blacks podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black be the best run in sports. Hosted by Rob Dunn in the Hargrave Street Studio. Produced by Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge, the podcast producers. Video editing by Mac Leesberg, graphics by Western Design, content advising from Andy Burt, and commercial manager for the podcast is Valeska Hoth. Follow the All Blacks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts.